Amen. Hey, you guys can have a seat. Woo! Man, I think there is a major power in a church singing those words together. Man, I love being able to sit on the front row to, to hear just unity in that. that God, we're going to build our lives on you. We're going to trust you this morning. Hey, guys, I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm the worship pastor. I'm so thankful for this team uh, up here leading music this morning. Can we just give them a hand? Yeah. Super thankful. Uh, hey, so we're in week two of our miracle series. We're actually going to be in Luke chapter five this morning. So if you have your Bible or your device, you want to go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in chapter five of Luke. We've been using this definition of miracles uh, in this series, and it says miracles are agents of both life change and authentication. Jesus altered life here on earth by exerting divine power, and in doing so, he not only changed the lives of those involved, he provided evidence that he was the Messiah. And we're going to see in Scripture this morning this huge theme of trusting and obeying. Christ, even in circumstances where we don't perceive success, where it doesn't look like, ah, I'm going to be really successful in this. We question it. Have you guys ever been asked to do something that you thought, oh, this is going to be a definite fail? Or you, you looked at it and you said, uh, this is totally against my common sense, and I don't think this is going to work out. Well, I was trying to think of a story that I could open up with. Uh, this morning where I had to trust somebody for something that I could not attain. And I came up with this awesome story, self-proclaimed, awesome story of the legendary Will Blanchard. Those of us who know Will Blanchard, yes. Well, there was a time, and this, is a, this has been a couple years now, where Will decided to take the staff on a 10-mile run through the buffalo. Right? That's what I said. For those of you who know me, a 10-mile run through the buffalo is not really my version of fun. It's not really my version of fun. Uh, and when we got to the buffalo, uh, this is all staff, this is going to be some awesome staff bonding here. Uh, he informed us that in this 10-mile hike that he had planned, uh, there's going to be a few river crossings. Wow, that's, that's really cool. Okay, so we're going to cross some rivers. We're going to cross nine rivers, to be exact, in this 10-mile. So you would think that through this 10-mile uh, hike through the woods, we got to listen to the, the birds and just nature. Uh, just so beautiful. No, instead, when we got there, the very first thing we did was cross the river. So the entire hike, all you could hear was this squish, 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 squish. So awesome. Man, my version of fun. And another thing you may not know is that my sense of direction is awful, especially in places that I do not know, like the woods of the buffalo. Uh, my direction is terrible. I remember growing up, and uh, we had woods in our backyard, and I uh, had the chance to play back there, but I would never go out of sight of the house because I was afraid of getting lost. This is my inner deepest secrets that I'm sharing with you guys. Uh, this morning. So Will had this whole hike planned out, you know, absolutely beautiful, but the whole time I'm thinking, these guys could leave me out here, and I would, I would be dead. I would never find my way back to the car. This is what's going through my head. So every 30 minutes, I'm, I'm looking at Will, I'm like, hey, bro, you know where we are right now? Because I don't. And I'm pretty sure he had no idea where we were. 
But obviously, as I stand before you today, I made it. I made it back to the car. We all made it back. We made it through the entire 10 miles, uh, thanks to Will's uncanny sense of direction. Got us back to the car. He did it. A couple years ago, in adventure camp, we had this, uh, this phrase that we used uh, when we were talking about faith. It'll be up on the screen. It says, faith is not being able to see, but trusting the one who can. And I'm not sure Will could see, but I trusted him, and I had faith that uh, his experience in those woods would get us back to the car. Uh, and that, that little phrase there from eviction camp is going to play really well into our passage of Scripture this morning, because God wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust his provision. We're going to see how Christ works an amazing miracle of catching fish to point us to his faithfulness in catching people with the gospel. So I think that coming into opening God's word this morning, can we all agree that we're going to have an expectant spirit that God's going to tell us something? Because here's the deal. God's, he's talking this morning. It's our decision. Are we going to listen? I really think he has something really, really special to tell us uh, this morning. So I'm going to pray for that. God, open our ears, open our hearts to hear your voice. Okay, let's pray. God, we love you. We're trusting you even in this moment that you have a powerful message for us in Luke chapter 5 that's going to spur us on to great things, uh, to catching people, Lord, the mission of God. God, I pray that you open our hearts, open our ears uh, to hear your word this morning. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, let's dive in. Buckle up, okay? Let's start in verse 1 of Luke chapter 5. Now, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. This is the Sea of Galilee. You're going to see a ton of action in the Sea of Galilee all through the Gospels and even in some more of these sessions during this miracle series. So the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd was pressing around him to hear the word of God. Verse 2, he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. We're going to stop there. Okay, so we start this chapter off. We see Jesus in this picture, thousands of people crowding in around Jesus. Okay, because Jesus has already made a name for himself. They know who he is. They, they're eager to hear what he has to say. They're eager to hear the word of God. And you get this picture of people like leaning in to catch his every word. And we see Jesus pick Peter's boat, Simon Peter, his boat. And he asks him, take it out just a little way off the shore. Why does he do this? Have you guys ever been to a lake or out on the lake? I've, I have vivid memories of this even being out on Beaver Lake. Uh, but you'll be out there on the boat, and all of a sudden you hear people talking, and it's not the people in your boat. It's the people on the dock, they're over there fighting about something. And you sit there, and you're, you're rowing your boat, and you just stop for a little bit just to, to listen to what's going on over there. Okay, well, this is what they call aqua acoustics. Okay, and it's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's going out a little way on the shore, so the thousands of people, they can hear every word he has to say. I thought that was so cool. As they gather and they're leaning in to hear, he's preaching from the boat, and they're able to hear because of aqua acoustics. Okay, look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
We worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will lower the nets. Okay, let me try to paint a picture for you of kind of what the life of a fisherman looks like in this day. First of all, and guys, I brought pictures today, so you're welcome. First of all, these boats are not little dinky paddle boats. These are between 26 to 30 feet. We're talking like a school bus size boat. Okay, so it was not easy to get these boats back out into the water because they're not little paddle boats. These guys are pros. They know when to fish, and they know where to fish. They've been doing it their whole life. And they use these necks called trammel necks, and I picture this. It's actually three different necks, bigger necks to smaller nets that they would put out at nighttime so the fish could not see the nets. And what they would do is they would be in their boats, and they would jump around all around the boat. You'd scream and scare the fish into the nets and bring their massive catch in. Okay, so it's daytime, so this isn't a good time to be fishing with these trammel nets. They know what they're doing. And Jesus comes in, the carpenter, with this massive request. I know you spent all night jumping on your boats trying to scare these fish into your nets. You had no luck. There's nothing out there. The water is bare. But I want you to cast your net out again. Oh, and I know you just cleaned your nets, but I want you to do it again. So you got a, a lot of big uh, requests here. Let me teach from your boat. Row out to the water. Throw your nets out. I know you just got done cleaning them. Go through your whole routine again. And not to mention, there's a big risk in the pride category here. Because here's the deal. Empty nets are embarrassing nets. And there's thousands of people watching. So there's a lot at risk here. But maybe a little reluctant. But nevertheless, Peter has this awesome statement where he says, At your word, I will lower the nets. At your word, master, into hopeless waters, I'll throw my net. Because here's the deal. Peter knew the power of Jesus. You know, just a chapter earlier, uh, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. So he knows the power of Jesus. He knows the power of his word, what he can accomplish. But I'm not sure Peter fully believes yet. Let's keep reading verse 6. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their necks started to tear. So they motioned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats, these 30-foot boats, so that they were not so they, would, they wouldn't sink. So here we have boats filled to the brim with fish. Necks breaking, boats sinking. There's so many fish, more than they had ever seen, let alone caught. Jesus does it. He takes a hopeless circumstance and he brings hope. He gives these guys no reason to trust and obey but his word. For me, I don't know about you, but for me, it's hard for me to trust and believe things that I feel like are not in my favor. The odds are not for me. 
Instead of saying, Lord, I'll obey you whether I understand it or not. I feel like my tendency is to say, God, I'll obey you if it makes sense. I'll obey you if it fits in my plan. I have a hard time with that. Especially when I can see it that, uh, I've fished all night. And you're going to ask me to fish in the day? There's no fish here. In this circumstance, it didn't make sense to do what Jesus asked, but Peter obeyed. Look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For Peter and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's business partners. Peter isn't caught up in the massive catch. No. He isn't amazed by the payday that just came to them. No, he's astonished at Jesus. He's astonished at the power of his word. Look how he responds, falling at his feet in utter humility. Peter believed. Peter truly believed. He was in the presence of a holy God who knew him. He knew him. He knew the sin in his heart. And he shuddered. Scott used this last week. He said the purpose of miracles was to reveal the glory of Christ so that people would believe. And here we see it in Peter's life. He believes. He no longer calls Christ master. He calls him Lord. Notice that. We see the same reaction time after time in Scripture. When people experience Christ, eyes are open to his glory and it results in a rightful view of of ourselves. I am unworthy. God's blessing should always lead to that. Always lead to humble adoration of Jesus. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. So when they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything. And followed him. You see how Jesus, he comes in and he eases the fear. He calms and invites people into his mission. He says, from now on, you will be catching people. No longer will you toil day and night for fish. Your life will now revolve around people. Around people. Jesus puts out this invitation which prompted them to leave everything, to leave boats, to leave fish, to leave the money, to leave their livelihood. For what? For people. For the kingdom. And they did it. They left it all for something better. For something better. They saw it. They believed it something better you know Jesus is intentional in the way the story plays out every movement every word all pointing to his power and to his provision and to our need for him 
The miracle would not only change the trajectory of these disciples, it changes the trajectory of our lives. The call, the call to follow Christ, it changes everything. So I'm going to track back through these verses and I want to pick out a couple of just nuggets or statements that I put together, these principles of this call in our lives this morning. Because this, this word is for us this morning. I believe that. Do you guys know what I mean when I say the word evangelism? Here's a, here's a definition from the, uh, the dictionary. The spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. I like this one. Zealous advocacy of a cause. You know, there's probably a ton of people in this room who came to know Christ through some type of evangelism. Evangelism is advocating the gospel. It's saying that this is good news, and you tell people about it. If you had the cure for cancer, you wouldn't hide it. If you really believed the good news could bring people out of bondage, could bring freedom, would you keep it to yourself? No, you would share it. Do we believe it this morning? Matthew 5, verse 14. You're the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Verse 16. The same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to focus back on these verses where we have Christ asking us for this step of faith to take place. It's a perfect parallel to the steps of faith he's asking us to take in reaching the world around us. And I think he's asking us to take them this morning. There's three statements that I pulled out of here that I want us to go home with this morning. And number one is, God wants to use us to accomplish his plans. God wants to use us, and without Jesus, we can't accomplish anything. Let that soak in. He wants to use us, but without him, we can't do anything. Do you know that there's never a good time for evangelism? There's never a good time. I feel like so often I'm waiting for a good time to talk to somebody, a good time, a good opportunity. But here's the deal. Look at Peter, man. He was tired. He'd been fishing all night long with nothing Talk about a bummer. Nothing. It wasn't a good time to get the nets back out and get the boat back out and get back out there. It wasn't a good time. There's never a good time. That section was so real to me. How many of you guys have been through a dry season? Huh? Have you guys been through a dry season before? How about a season of trying to reach a friend or, or a family member for years? And just dry, nothing, no fruit. That was Peter. He had fished that lake dry. There wasn't anything to catch. It was a lost cause. And does that sound familiar? These people aren't worth it. I've been reaching out to them for years. They'll never hear. I've tried. It's hopeless. I've said that. When Peter and his partners dropped the nets, Jesus filled them. 
you know, honestly, guys, I think, I think Jesus just wants us to obey. I think he wants us to just be faithful to drop our net. He just wants faithfulness. Whatever next God provides us, tossed out wherever he takes us, and let him fill them. Let him do it. He is hope to the hopeless. Look at verse 6. The nets began to break. They didn't just catch fish. They overflowed with fish. They overflowed. Jesus doesn't just meet our needs. He goes above and beyond. Ephesians 3.20. Immeasurably more than we can even pray for. Do we believe that? I don't know if you guys have heard of Charles Spurgeon. We quote him a lot around here because he's an awesome guy. But he's a young, or he was a young preacher during this quote that I'm about to give you. Uh, back in the 1800s, they call him the Prince of Preachers now. But listen to this quote. I got a picture up there. This guy, God gave him a platform to reach thousands of people. And this is at age 24. He got it. Listen to what he had to say in uh, reaching thousands of people in this, uh, in this music hall in 1858. He said, what can we do then? We can now appeal to the Spirit. I cannot compel you, but you, O Spirit of God, who has the key of the heart, you can compel. I believe that this morning. I believe that for all of us this morning, that God can compel. He got it. He understood his inability to catch the fish. He couldn't do it. Charles understood it. Spurgeon knew that all he was called to do was cast his net. And the gospel would be enough. And it was true, man. Thousands came to know Christ. Do we believe that this morning? And isn't that awesome? It makes me standing up here in my insecurities, in my, uh, my shortfallings, to know that, God, you can do something through me. You can do something great today. And it can have nothing to do with me. I'm not going to get in the way. We have to trust Jesus more than our perceptions. I don't know about you, but when asked to walk by faith, it does not come easy. Let alone faith that looks kind of stupid sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's a waste. When God calls me to do something that I look at and I'm saying, God, surely I hear you wrong. Surely that's not what you're asking me to do. How about taking a pay cut so that you can better love your family? You can lead them better. How about moving to a place to help support a, a local church? How about letting your kids go to this school instead of that school so they can be a better light? How about giving more than you did last year, even though your pay hasn't increased? These are examples about how God calls us to things that sometimes don't make sense to us. But that's what he does. Sometimes it seems foolish, but God has greater purposes than our perceptions of what it may be. Man, I trust that this morning. God is calling you to do something, and he wants to use you. 
He wants to use you in the process. And that is the truth this morning. Those fish could have appeared in that boat. You know that? We're going to see a bunch of miracles in this series where stuff like that happens. It just appears. But no. He left a step of faith, a step of obedience. He did it on purpose. He does it on purpose for us this morning. He could have had it any way he wanted, but he chose to do it this way. Peter, throw your nets out into the empty water. Watch me. Watch. He loves it. He loves to use us in our weakest moment for his greatest movement. Do you believe that this morning? Our weakest moment, he is stronger. He could have it any way he wants, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to use us to reach the world. That should humble us. should humble us this morning. Number two, God is big and your insufficiencies won't stop him. Come on. When we get a taste and see God's goodness, it always reveals how big he is and how small I am. That's what it does. Peter's response in verse 8, it is humility. God's blessings should never pump us up to pride. They should always bring us down to this lowly point of humility. His blessings in our lives should never puff us up to pride. It was sin in Peter's life that made him shudder. It literally scared him to be in the boat with Jesus. Because it clicked. It clicked in his mind. This is God. He knows me. He knows my heart. He knows my every thought. And he shuddered. I don't deserve this gift. I'm a sinner. I'm not even worthy to be in this boat. But in comes the gospel. You see, we don't have to fear because of verse 10. Fear not. Because Jesus is bigger. He's bigger. It's this idea of grace that separates Christianity from every other religion out there. The gift we cannot earn, nor do we deserve it. And it leaves us in awe. We don't even understand it. It doesn't make sense. God, we see how big he is and how small we are. Because the cross, because of it, we no longer have to shudder. In fear of judgment, no, the cross took care of it. Jesus paid it. It is finished. Hebrews 10 says that we now can draw near with confidence because of the cross. Clean from guilt and shame. Maybe some of you guys find yourself in that, that, that position this morning of Peter where you're overtaken by guilt and shame and sin in your life where you say, who am I to share this news? Who am I? I mean, what if I mess it up? Or, heck, I am a mess up. Will they judge me? I mean, I'm a, I'm a work in progress. Will they understand? Or how about this one? I'm not a pastor. That one's my favorite. But I'll tell you this, guys. 
that posture of fear is right where the devil wants you. He wants you to stay there your entire life. Who am I to share this news? I'll leave it, I'll let somebody else do it who's, who's got it more together. Man, he wants us to stay in that. But don't you want to see your necks breaking? Don't you want to see that kind of overflow in your ministry? I know I do. In our weakness, we're going to cast our net out, and God is faithful to do the rest. I'm going to believe that this morning. And lastly, Jesus is worth more than anything this world can offer us. The value of following Christ from now until eternity carries more weight than any earthly treasure ever could. We have to believe that this morning. Verse 11, they left their necks and they followed him. They dropped the greatest catch of fish they would ever experience. And they say, Jesus, you are worth more. You're worth more than all of this. You guys remember that parable in Matthew 13, uh, verse 44? It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went out, sold all he had, and bought the field. He bought the field. They left everything because he's worth it. He's worth more. We have to believe that this morning. He's worth more. I don't want to wait until the other side of heaven for perspective. I don't want to look back on life and say, man, I missed it. I missed it. I missed that step he asked me to take. I missed it. I missed that blessing. I missed that catch. I missed the overflow. Why did I hesitate? Why did I fear? It's going to look so silly on that side. God doesn't need you, but he chooses to use you and bless you, and I don't want to miss out on that. John Piper says it this way. Listen here. But all this leaves me trembling that I not throw away one short life that I will look back on for all eternity. Just think of it. You have one life, one very short life, then an eternity to remember. Does not the suffering in this world seem inexplicable to you? Is not this great global and intensely personal suffering a call to magnify the mercy of Christ by how we respond? Is not suffering a seamless fabric stretching from eternity for unbelievers? And therefore, are not Christians the only people who can respond with relief to the totality of misery? Shall we not then live our lives and prepare for heaven by strategizing in all our vocations, with all of our talents, all our money, to relieve suffering now and forever for the glory of Jesus? Are you there? Am I there? The call to follow Jesus is a call to reorient your life, not just fit Jesus in. It's a game changer. We no longer live for ourselves. We no longer live for the next best thing. 
It's about Jesus. It's about serving. It's about mercy. It's about casting your net wherever he tells us to. We live on mission. Just as Peter stepped out, who in here this morning needs to step out? It may seem crazy to empty waters. What do we need to leave behind this morning so we can better serve and follow Christ? What is it? How about your faith in evangelism? Do you really believe God can compel? Is the gospel strong enough to save? Do we believe it this morning? Let me clear up something, this, this huge word of evangelism, because it can be intimidating, and I found myself there. This word. Let's think back to our definition. Christ has changed you with the gospel. Galatians says you're a new creation. Advocate for it. Tell your story. That is evangelism. The Bible says there's power in it. There's power in your testimony. Tell your story. That is it. That's evangelism. Tell your story. I love this idea of invading and inviting. Invade the world with caring and love. Invade your relationships with genuine caring, with genuine gospel truth. And once you invade, you invite them into what God has given us. You advocate for that. Because the gospel compels, the gospel will draw people to be captured by grace. How will they know if they have not heard? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as they do, I want, I want to think about these few questions here. What do we need to cast our necks out into? What is it? You know, I, I really believe it looks different for all of us. We're all in different worlds, different ministries. Where is God, God calling you to cast your net? And, and here's the truth, that maybe it's waters you've been casting your net into for years with nothing, with no fruit coming from it. Don't give up. Trust in God's provision. Trust. Let him direct you. Take the initiative. Cast away. There's no greater joy that I take as a pastor to, to get behind people like Gary leading CR or Joe leading the men's ministry or the Gandys taking on community groups or being behind BJ and Jill and Papua New Guinea. There's no greater joy than to support, empower, raise up and send out. This is the mission. Luke 5, it shows us God's humbling plan to reach the world with the gospel. It includes me and it includes you. You have to believe that this morning. It includes you. You have purpose. We have a mission. God will provide the catch. Just cast the net. I want to do something really bold here. I thought about different ways of doing this. I thought we could bow our heads and close our eyes and all that jazz, but I want to do this. I want you to raise your hand right now if you need prayer for that. If you need prayer this week of how you're going to cast your net. Okay, this is real. We're in this together. God has purpose for us. 
and we believe that he is good enough he will provide the catch just like we sang earlier he is better what's so awesome about that song is we recognize we have a hard time believing it we have a hard time believing it so we sing things like God help my heart believe I know it's true help me believe it you are good enough I want us to stand up here and we're going to read this passage of scripture together because this is authority right here and this is what God has given us we're going to close out and we're going to sing with these guys but I want to read Matthew 28 18 through 20 together and I want to read it with confidence God help us believe will you read this with me then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Let's sing together, okay?